Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pivot Podcast. Each week, join career coaches and Pivot Discovery co-founders, Alexandra Balistrieri and Kimberly Tilly, as they interview an extraordinary and inspiring guest who successfully pivoted away from unfulfilling work to pursue their dreams. Benefit from their insight and experience and leave with actionable tips to reframe your future. We are delighted to bring you part two of our interview with Kristen Sherry, the founder of UMAP LLC and author of a number of best-selling books, including Amazon number one international bestseller, UMAP. Without further ado, let's jump into today's interview. So Kristen, you mentioned this a bit earlier, but I wanted to go back to it. You were talking about your books and your first book, Follow Your Star, was released in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then I know that you really found a lot of broad commercial success with UMAP in 2018. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about your first books and also about Maximize 365? Sure. So I had decided that writing was something that I really enjoyed, but also my mother, <laughs> I always talk about my mother, but my mother has been my greatest career advisor because she's an executive coach. So my mother said to me, don't tie your time to your dime. You need to consider passive income strategies when you're a business owner. And I took her advice to heart. And so I thought, I'm going to put a lot of books out into the world based on all of these different career pivots I did from coaching, executive coaching to managing people, all these different things. And being a career coach at one point, all of those things lent itself to a book. So When I wrote Follow Your Star, it was a total flop. It sold 200 copies. And that was fine because I had a different motive for writing it. I wrote it because I was trying to get more credibility as a coach by now being a coach and an author to get more speaking because more speaking means more business. So it served its purpose regardless of the sales. But I will tell you a lot of people after they write one book, because they, they don't really, it's like 250 copies a year and 2,500 in the book's lifetime because the average book lifetime is like a decade. That's about how many copies a book sells. And so people say, wow, that was really disappointing. I'm never doing that again. It was so much work for no return. Well, if all you're trying to do is get rich writing books, then it's probably not really the best <laughs> of your time. So but I was determined to, I want 15 books in the market and it's a mix. All right, of Kristen, could I interrupt you? You say you wanted 15 books in the market. Yeah, that's my goal to have 15 books in the market. I know it sounds ridiculous. Wow. Why 15? Why that number? I'm just <laughs> Because that's how many books I have ideas for. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> More might come. So after I wrote Follow Your Star, I was getting all of these questions because I was doing a lot of content on social media and I was getting a ton of interview questions. That's what everyone wanted to know. Hey, I have an interview tomorrow. Any advice? And I thought, you know, I keep answering these questions over and over. What are the questions that you're answering over and over from your prospects, your clients, people who want to use you for free on social media, what do they ask you over and over again? Maybe that's a book. So I thought I'm going to write this in a book. And I wrote a very short book called five surprising steps to land the job now. And everybody was getting offers when they would read it. And I thought, well, this is great. It doesn't sell a lot. It probably sells five copies a month, 
but everyone who reads it writes it and says, I got the job. So it did its, it did its job. So then by the time I wrote UMAP, I, I was over the rejection of only selling 200 books. And I thought, now I'm going to just, I have a mission now. So I want to reach everyone in the world that I can to help people realize what they do best and how to really get their message out into the world. And that's when I wrote UMAP. And it just shocked me how well the world received it. It ended up going to number one on Amazon in all of its categories in six countries. And I, and it's still like, it's, it was number two today in Canada when I went to look and number wow. seven in the U S it's been in the top 10 bestsellers every month since it released in November, 2018, which was just crazy. So I thought, well, I'm helping people land jobs with this book and figure out who they are or figure out what kind of an entrepreneur they want to be. It's really just around discovering what you do best. And then how do you communicate that through your LinkedIn profile or what have you networking yeah. conversations? I thought, you know, I'm helping people land jobs, but then their managers really stink and then they still hate the job. So that's when I wrote your team loves Mondays, right? So now I thought to myself, well, I'd help people find the dream job. I'm helping them have a manager that doesn't suck. Now I'm going to help people really maximize their life where they are. And that's when Maximize 365, a year of actionable tips to transform your life, came into, into view. And I thought, you know, there are five key areas where people tend to be dissatisfied in their own inner world, their health and wellness could be physical, it could be emotional, uh, you know, health and wellness holistically in their relationships and doesn't matter if it's intimate relationships or parent-child relationships or coworker relationships, in their career, of course, their finances and their spiritual journey. So those are the five areas where I wrote 365 tips and it's broken down into an inspirational quote, a couple of paragraphs sort of informational about the topic to get your mind right around it. And then an idea or maybe three, it's ideas for action so that you can start getting traction immediately in that area of your life. And I didn't realize what an undertaking that was going to be. I was like, well, you know, a tip a day, 365 tips <laughs> is a lot harder than it sounds. After about a hundred, I'm like, I'm fresh out of ideas. <laughs> so it was a ton of research too, to do the book. Cause I'm just not spouting off the top of my head. I wanted to have research based information. So it was a grueling, grueling book, but I'm really proud of it. Would you say that Maximize 365 was the hardest book that you've had to write? Absolutely. It was <laughs> when I would hit my writing goal every day, I would say, oh, yay. And then the next morning, I'm like, I'm at zero again. Uh. <laughs> I was writing quite literally. I'm not using hyperbole. I was writing seven days a week, six to eight hours a day for three months without a break. Wow. Can you say those numbers again? I wrote seven days a week between six and eight hours every single day, seven days a week. I did not take a day off for three straight months. That's impressive. It was grueling. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, I mean, it's just, it sounds like just completely daunting, even just hearing about it. That's a good word. And I had started writing before that. And, and there was some process going through editing and revisions after that. So it wasn't wrapped in three months, but that was the core 
of, of the writing about three months, seven, seven days a week, about up to eight hours a day. It was, it was a ton of work and I was really tired and I wanted to quit, but I wouldn't let myself because I knew I would miss my publishing deadline. (laughs) (laughs) So um, one thing that I think is just unbelievable is that you have four new books coming out for children. You've got gifts, you've got values, you've got skills, and you've got personality. Why did you make the leap into children's books? What a great question. I'm so glad you asked me that. (laughs) Everything I do is about maximizing people. Remember how I said that little story about, well, then the people's managers sucked. And then, well, you've got the dream job, but my finances are in shambles or my relationships are a mess. So what happened was as I spoke with people and they discovered what was brilliant about them, they would say things like, you know, I was told I talked too much when I was a kid. They would have this great strength uh, or would love public speaking. Or they were told, why do you always have to be the center of attention? Why are you so nosy? Why aren't you bossy? Kids are told these messages that the talents that they have innately are really viewed from a dark lens. And so kids now grow up thinking those talents are bad things and sometimes even actively avoid them or suppress those things or put themselves in this mental straitjacket because that's bad when I talk too much. And these people ended up in careers that leveraged those things. So for example, the girl who talked too much is a, a professional speaker and a communication consultant. The girl that always had to be the center of attention became a theater actress in New York City. The girl that was too nosy and asked too much, too many questions is a researcher now. So it's so funny to me that we tell kids that they're too this and too that when they're exactly what they need to be for their potential futures to be happy. So I thought, you know what? I got to cut this at, at its quick. I have to get to kids sooner or people sooner because people are 45 years old telling me this and they're already beat up and carrying baggage about it everywhere. So I want to see if I can reach kids who are, you know, six and seven and eight because you know what? Kids are so receptive to knowing that they are a masterpiece. But you tell an adult, like I look an adult in the eye and I'll say, you know what? You're a masterpiece and they get uncomfortable and they bat it away and they reject it. But you tell a kid that and you're like, I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to put, instead of the, the you are special messages, I wanted kids to have words to exactly know why and articulate why. And so I do these affirmator cards with my daughter. They're daily affirmations. She's seven. And Uh, And they'll say things like, I'm a great student. I'm going to finish my homework early today. Or I'm a caring person. Or I'm a hard worker. Like there's all these different affirmations. And I make her stand up and put her arms and shout these things. And those are great. But I want her to have really accurate information about why she's great. She knows that she's great because she's a futuristic thinker. She's caring and she's competitive. She knows exactly why. Because she has a UMAP youth profile. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're, they're great concepts, not just powerful words, but concepts to already begin introducing children to at such a young age. And it's something that's going to carry on with them because it's all that foundational self-awareness. That you hit it with when you said that foundational self-awareness. Here's what I found that was really interesting. 
people would read UMAP, the book, or do UMAP, the profile with, with a coach or whatever they would do. And this weird thing would happen. Their confidence would increase. And I thought, what on earth is with all these people that have no confidence? Like they all had broken confidence because they had gone through careers that beat them up. They were potted in the wrong soil. And so they took it as a personal failure instead of recognizing, hey, this just doesn't fit me. And so the confidence would grow as they would see, oh, no wonder I sucked at that because that's not who I am. And so I thought, well, that's really interesting. Why can't we retain confidence in children? Because children are innately confident. They think they're amazing. They think they could do, like my daughter, <laughs> when she was five and we had a hurricane here, she heard on the news that there were a hundred people trapped in some part of North Carolina, she put on her raincoat and grabbed her umbrella. We were having tropical rain here from, from the periphery of, the, of that tropical storm. And she was fixing to go out the door. And I said, where are you going? And she said, those people need help. I'm going to go rescue them. They really <laughs> right? So, I mean, obviously that's not realistic. She, she couldn't walk to the, to the <laughs> town. It was probably four hours by car, but she didn't know that. But my, the point is, is kids generally have this sense of invincibility and this confidence. And I thought, why not bully-proof these kids and build their confidence and give them something to cling to when the storms of life and other people erode or try to erode even on purpose that confidence that they have innately i think that's wonderful i don't is there anything else like that on the market today for children there isn't and my assistant my publisher and and also and i as well we tried to find it in fact the category for strengths or talents for children's books doesn't exist so we had to categorize it under self-esteem uh, on Amazon and uh, imagination and play because there's nothing about natural gifting for children. So I think the reason for that, Kimberly, is because most people who do the type of work that I do, self-awareness, self-discovery, self-reflection, only do it with adults. They don't generally then take their career coaching knowledge and then go work with children. So I think the crossover, most of the people writing books around self-awareness and, and those types of books are writing for an adult audience. It was a really uh, different experience to start writing children's books. And I thought, wow, this is so much harder. It's like 10 pages. How hard can it be, right? Well, <laughs> it was hard. I would think that it would be harder because you're trying to break down something that's very complex for a very young audience. Mm -hmm. Well, it's that. And also you have to say a lot by saying a little to two different audiences because you're writing for the child and for the parent. Right. Ah, yes. Well, Kristen, let me ask you, as we've been talking today, you've been a programmer, a business intelligence analyst, you've been an ops operations manager, you've been a learning and development leader, a career transition coach, an entrepreneur, an author of adult books, an author of children's books. What is next for you in your career? Does, does sitting on the porch in the mountains count? <laughs> <laughs> in, in all seriousness, I see authoring books as sort of my long-term vision. I just got off the phone with my mother today and she's agreed to write a book with me in 2021 called UMAP for Relationships. And I'm really excited 
Uh, she's very passionate about helping people in the marriage piece. And, and I'm passionate about that too, but I want to help people in the parent child and fam familial relationships, the conflict there, as well as coworker relationships. So I think she's going to tackle the, the, the marriage piece. <laughs> I might weigh in a little bit, but I'm really excited about that because my mother is 75 years old, almost, I think next uh, November, she'll be 75. And she has a ton of knowledge and information in her head from a quarter of a century of being an executive coach. And I told her, you know, you need to get what you know in a book and help people with it because she's doing it sort of workshops and one-on-one. -on -one. So I'm really excited about that, but I'm going to tackle middle school kids next, I think. That's what's next for me, helping kids build confidence. I'm very passionate about girls and what happens to girls where um, they, they lose their confidence at some point in our society. They start to think they're fat and they're ugly and they're very focused on their appearance. And that's not yeah. the case when they're little. But, you know, it's interesting because I have two boys who are grown, 20, 23 and 19, and two daughters who are seven and four. And the experience of parenting two boys to adulthood and now starting over with girls, it was eye-opening, let me tell you, to hear how everyone talked to my sons. Aren't you a big, strong boy? Are you going to eat that all up? It's all about getting big and strong and being tough. And then everywhere I went with my daughters, oh, you're so beautiful. You look like a princess. Like every compliment. And I know people mean well, but all people remark on is what my daughters look like. Ah, or your son's just like what they can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Nobody asks my daughter, so what are you reading these days? And my daughter reads every day, but no one asks her that question. Well, so, so middle school is going to be your next area that you're going to focus on. Because that really is, I guess, when, when girls especially lose their confidence. Yeah, there's this, there's this pattern, I think, where, where girls are confident and then they start to go through puberty and they lose that confidence and they have imposter syndrome and all of that going on in their careers. And then you get women turning 45 and 50 who are like, who the hell cares what anyone thinks anymore? And they come back around <laughs> <laughs> just not caring what people think. And I'm just going to be unabashedly me, but like, it's a shame that it takes decades <laughs> back there. What's so cool is like, you found this one thing, right? Like this self-awareness tool and you've kind of figured out like, this is the foundation of everything and how can I apply it like with children versus the young professional versus now you're going to think about applying it with like teenagers, like right when you're middle school kid and even in relationships. So I think it's really interesting how you're, you're taking that one thing and then just kind of shifting it to the different audience. So you just uncovered the gem of this episode to your listeners, Alexandra, with that observation. I think what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is they try to do all the things, right? They're, I'm going to do this and oh, it'll be great. I'll build all these courses and I'll do all of these things, but I'm not reinventing the wheel with all of these things. I'm applying my one piece of intellectual property, my one thing, my niche in multiple ways to help people really using the same thing in different applications, different modalities. So you can read it, you can listen to it, you can take an assessment. Uh, and I think that's really key because 
it allows me to get a ton of traction because I'm not recreating the wheel over and over and I can go speak and I don't have to prepare because it's always the same thing. Just tell me who I'm talking to and I'll adjust it to that audience. But it's, it's really key for entrepreneurs in particular to realize you're, what's the word I'm trying to say? You're really diluting your efforts, your power and your capabilities and your impact. If you try to do all the things, what is your one thing and how can you reach people in different ways and creative ways and modalities. Mm -hmm. Kristen, as we wrap up, what is one tip you would offer to someone who is considering making a change, but maybe hesitating? So what I would do is I would do a reflected best self exercise where you email five to 10 people who know you well, because you're not objective about yourself. I always say it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. Of course, my first advice is read UMAP, <laughs> but um, I'm not uh, a salesperson, so I usually give people a free option to help themselves. Email people and say, or call them or whatever, however you like to communicate, text people and say, can you tell me a story of a time doing something that I do very well? And just briefly tell me about that and what impact did it have? And you'll get these 10 stories and then start circling the keywords and the patterns. And what do you notice about that? That's the first thing I would do because that's going to be where you can make the impact to other people because whatever you're passionate about, if it doesn't impact other people, it's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. It has to impact other people. And then what's your ideal day? Sit down and just bullet out all the things that you loved most and did best over the course of your career. And now when you have the feedback from other people on these patterns of things you do best and do well that made an impact and how, and then how you want to spend your day, look at the intersection of those things. And that gives you lots of keywords to show it to a mentor. What does this sound like? Is there a role that this sounds like to you? Or use the keywords on a job search board if you're looking for a job. But talk to people and say, what, does, what comes to mind when you see these key words people say about me and this ideal day I've created? Because other people can see the forest for the trees better than you can. We're going to have to try that activity. It sounds super interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's so simple, but it's game changing. Kristen, we want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing your wisdom and for sharing your experience. I think our listeners are really going to love it and really going to benefit from what you have shared today. How, what is the best way for people to reach you? Um, you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm Kristen Sherry and you can, I'm the one in Charlotte. Nothing <laughs> in North Carolina. I'm told. Are there really? Yeah, interestingly. Or you can just reach me through my website, myumap.com, M-Y-Y-O-U-M-A-P.com. Okay, and we'll put that in our show notes as well for all of our listeners. Kristen, thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Kristen. Fantastic way to spend an hour. (laughs) This has been great. Thank you. Thank you. And that is it for our special two-part episode with Kristen Sherry. Kristen is the author of UMAP, a number one international bestseller on Amazon and the founder of UMAP LLC. Kristen is currently working on a series of children's books, including 
You've Got Gifts, which will be released on November 10th, 2020. You can find Kristen's contact information in the show notes, along with our contact information for Pivot Discovery. We provide career services and specialize in helping people make a change to reframe their future. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Pivot.